as you meet the living God in the Word and you see your life changed by that experience, you begin to hunger for it. And what I would long for is to see people changed relationally by reading the Word better. That is the voice of today's guest, Dr. George Guthrie, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to First Person. Today, I'd like you to meet a biblical scholar who is as down-to-earth as they come. Dr. George Guthrie serves as the Benjamin W. Perry Professor of Bible at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. As a student of the New Testament and Koine Greek, he's the author of numerous articles and books, including his latest, Read the Bible for Life. I'll introduce you to Dr. Guthrie in just a moment. This program, First Person, is a weekly visit with a person who tells their story of faith in Christ, as well as an explanation of what God has called them to do in service for Him. You can learn more about us on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. As a matter of fact, we've taken the step of archiving all of the interviews, and you can listen to each one online or as a podcast through various means, including iTunes. For more information or just to listen, log on to firstpersoninterview.com. Well, Dr. George Guthrie is concerned that believers in Christ don't really have a deep enough knowledge of God's Word, and that it only takes a few minutes each day to immerse ourselves in the Bible, improving our biblical literacy, and increasing our faith and joy at the same time. I'll let George explain more about his goal for all of us, but as we began to talk recently, I started by asking him about his own life and what shaped him. Well, I'm originally from Dyersburg, Tennessee. I grew up in the South, and when my parents um, were very young and, and working in education, they were both involved in a high school there in Dyersburg, Tennessee. They actually had a difficult time having children. Uh, there were three uh, children who miscarried prior to me coming on the scene, and they really doubted, the doctors doubted, that my mom was going to be able to, to carry a child to term. So I was born 10 weeks early and had one lung working. Uh, the doctors actually told my grandmother not to get her hopes up because oh. this was, it was like a 10% chance of me living. Oh, boy, that's a tough start. Right. And my mom uh, went out um, on the porch one night and just cried out to God and said, uh, Lord, if you will let him live, then you can have him. So it was kind Sounds of a like Samuel. Hannah. Yeah. yeah, kind of a Samuel <laughs> moment there. And... Um, and the Lord let me live. I uh, was put in an incubator for 30 days and uh, pulled through. I weighed three and a half pounds when I was born. And after about eight months, I caught up to where my younger brother was when he was born, you know, <laughs> okay. in terms of size. But my earliest memories were of the Lord. And hmm. I have very distinct memories of a big red Bible story book that my parents used to teach me the stories of the Bible. And really, those are some of my earliest memories spiritually. You must be very grateful to them. Oh, very, very much. Uh, My parents are wonderful, down-to-earth people. Um, Dad walked us to church every Sunday morning, and so I'm thankful for the heritage that I have there. Yeah. Uh, you're too modest to say it, but I wonder if that incubator has something to do with the brain that developed in you eventually, because you, uh, you're, you're quite the scholar these days and, and recognized as such. So. Well, I thought you were going to say it fried my brain or <laughs> no, something like no. that. Some... It had the opposite effect, I think. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thankful. The Lord has given me an opportunity at Union to write half the time. I have a chair of... Uh, 
New Testament, biblical studies. And so what I do is I teach a couple of courses a semester, and then I use the other half of my time to write. And most of my work has been done on commentaries and things to help pastors study the Scripture effectively, but that's kind of transitioned at the moment. Uh, we're doing a project to help lay people learn how to read the Bible more effectively. Yeah, yeah I want to talk to you about that. Uh, but let me take you back to, to growing up, because with your earliest memories being grounded the way they were in Scripture and your family's faith, when did it become yours? Yeah. About two weeks before I turned seven years of age, things really kind of came to uh, culmination in terms of the spiritual questions that I was asking. I was very interested in spiritual things from a very early age, and I can distinctly remember my dad calling our pastor at that time, who was a lifelong friend until he died, and he came over and sat down and walked through the gospel with me, and I was... uh, called to Christ at that point, uh, made a decision, you know, had a very undeveloped theology, but understood the basics of of the gospel and was baptized. And then as I got older, especially as I was moving into the high school years, I struggled like a lot of high school students do, but there was always this real deep interest spiritually and kind of a a heart to know God and... um, as I got toward the end of high school, came to a, a deeper level of commitment, uh, committed my life to, to ministry when I was a freshman at Union University, and, um, and you know, have, have by God's grace, uh, grown through the years, and like everybody else, had a lot of struggles, but, but God has just been so gracious to me. He's given me a phenomenal wife who loves him and puts up with me and <laughs> two great kids. Um, my son has a nonprofit called Dollar for a Drink where he yeah, raises money for talk to him freshwater sometime. wells yeah. uh, in Africa. So so we, we have a very blessed life. Uh, the Christian life's not easy for no, anybody, no. but it's, uh, so but it's a blessed been, life. You haven't been protected in some special way. Right. You're yeah. human. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, one of the things I love about the Scripture, and you know, I've talked about this before on Mike Card's uh, yeah. show is the Scripture is very, very honest about life. It doesn't... Uh, the sugarcoating is kind of our American brand of, of Christianity, but the Bible is raw and honest and calls us into this deep, honest, authentic relationship with God that, that walks in the midst of all those challenges in life, doesn't mm-hmm. deny them. Mm-hmm. All right, now let me go back to teaching college-age people, and because... Okay. Uh, you were there yourself, and you talked about how your faith deepened at about that time. Right. So do you love it when the light bulb goes off, or does it go off in young people's minds? Believe it or not, it really does. <laughs> uh, I am blessed to be in a phenomenal university. Union University is one of the top Christian universities in the nation. It's uh, grown tremendously over the past 15 years. In Jackson, In Jackson, Tennessee. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You can go to www.uu.edu. All right, that's the commercial part of our my, program. Yeah, my, uh, <laughs> my president would, will be very uh, excited that I said that. But really, it's one, of the, it's one of the few places in the United States that both has extremely high level of academic excellence, but also a vibrant context of faith yeah. and missions yeah. and that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a great place. So we, we have students who come to us who are very, very bright, uh, deeply committed to Christ and the church, and really some of them are going out and they're being world changers. So to be in a classroom with those kind of students, and for instance, I teach a class called Intro to Bible Study, uh, and to see 
the light bulbs go off, as you said, where all of a sudden they figure out that they can study the Word for themselves and that God will meet them in the pages of the Bible. Boy, that is, that's an amazing experience to see that life transformation happen. And I've had many opportunities or a number of opportunities to go teach at the seminary level, for instance, and God calls a lot of people to do that. But at the university level, if we can catch them at that stage... It's crucial, isn't it? It can lay a foundation yeah. for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And that's an exciting thing to be involved but in. But over 20 years, have you seen a change in students in their Bible literacy or... You know, we have noticed, Wayne, that over the years there is an increasing biblical illiteracy on the part of our students. Now, remember that we get some of the very, very best students in the country. And what I'm about to tell you is not only taking place at Union, it's taking place at Wheaton yeah. College, it's taking place at Seattle Pacific University. I've I mean, heard the same thing from others. Right. And so we did, over a period of about three years, a, a basic biblical literacy test quiz that we gave our students in Old Testament and New Testament survey. That's normally a freshman-level class. We have a few other students who procrastinate. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, this quiz is 18 questions. And the questions are things like, how many temptations did Jesus have in the wilderness? Which one of these books is not in the New Testament? Oh. Um, real basic, yeah. basic kind of questions. Sure. Take these four main biblical characters and put them in chronological order. And I thought, boy, these kids should just knock the top out of this thing. Over a three-year period, the average score on that quiz was a 57. Is that right? Yeah. Well, if we're going to point fingers, we have to point the fingers at ourselves, That's don't right. we? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing. I've, I've been teaching this course, Intro to Bible Study, for 18 years at Union. When I came back to Union, there were a couple of courses that I really, really wanted to develop because of the gaps in my own life. One was Intro to Bible Study. Another one was Contemporary Christian Life in Practice. Uh, my wife and I talk about marriage in that class. We talk about parenting, financial management, all kinds of things. But in the Intro to Bible Study class, I always ask this question at the beginning of the term, how many of you have ever been in a church that offered you any class or any seminar at any time on how to read and or study the Bible well? And over the years, only about 5% of the students that I've had, 5 to 10% at the most, raised their hands. Last year, when I taught the class, no hands went up out of a room full of 21 students. Now, think about that. We hand people a Bible, which is a complex body of literature. It was written over hundreds of years in various types of literature. It is wonderful, and it, it is um, something that God has given to us that anybody can pick it up and, and read it, and God can speak to them. I'm not saying that you have to have a class to be able to hear from God. But we have assumed in the church that people are going to get it, they're going to be able to read it well, they're going to be transformed by it, if we just say, read it. And we've not given them basic training in how to encounter it and read it in a way that will be life-changing. So that is um, a gap in what we've done in the church, and because I think especially in the last 15 or 20 years, the education at the local church level has been so fragmented. So a person can, can fall through the cracks, so to speak, and never get any glimpse of the big picture of the grand story of Scripture, 
So it's not surprising that not only in the broader culture, but in the church, we are seeing a spiral downward into a black hole of biblical illiteracy that's quite troubling. Well, that brings up some questions, and we'll continue talking about it today. Dr. George Guthrie, our guest, here on First Person. Next time on First Person, our guest will be Pastor Michael Catt of Sherwood Baptist Church. You know, if you want perspective, you know, get out from behind the lights and with the cameras and everything and just do the work of ministry, getting your hands and feet into ministry, putting your hands to the plow. And that gives us perspective. He's a pastor and also executive producer of the new movie Courageous, next time on First Person. So we've talked about this gap, and it's not just a gap in young people. It's a gap in all of us, isn't it? Knowing what's actually in the Bible and learning how to apply what's in the Bible. It really is. I mentioned the quiz earlier, and one of my former students is a youth minister at a, at a church, and he gave the quiz to his students, his youth group, and the pastor gave the quiz to the church. Oh, boy. Here we go. The students scored an average of 37%, and the adults in the church scored a 63 (laughs) on the quiz. Now, let let me make one thing clear, though. For me, biblical literacy is not primarily about Bible trivia. It's it's really about life transformation, life orientation. It's about meeting the living God in the pages of of the book and but you got to have the basic facts for a foundation. That's right. That's right. It it kind of works together if if you think about it. I think one of the reasons why people have a difficulty with the basic facts is because they have no framework mm-hmm. to put those facts in. Mm-hmm. So they don't know how the grand story fits together, how it develops. So as they learn about Lot or about Amos they have nowhere to put that basic information, and it gets lost. The other side of that is you can't build the grand story unless you have the basic facts. So what I would say we have to do is we have to focus on two things in the local church to help people with this area. We need to focus on how do you read the parts well? What are good ways to approach reading a psalm or reading uh, a parable? How do I engage that part of Scripture in a way that really becomes life-changing for me? And then the other piece is, how do I put all those different parts together in this grand story of unit. Scripture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the, the antidote? What, what have you done? I know you've put something <laughs> you feel very strongly about. Well, there are a lot of good things going on out there. I think God is is raising up. Uh, a variety of good tools out there in the church. About four years ago, I went out of, because of this burden, I went and I sat down with Tom Rayner, who is the president of Lifeway uh, Christian Stores, and Brad Wagner, who's the vice president there, who's a longtime friend of mine, and just share with them this burden. And initially, we were talking about doing a podcast and trying to help people learn some basic things about reading Scripture better. But as the conversations developed and as we prayed, over the, the next year to year and a half, the Lord started putting different pieces together where now we have a whole church strategy. And there are two tools in that strategy that help with reading the Bible more effectively, and there are two tools that help with getting the grand story of Scripture. So, 
You want me just to talk about yes, those please. tools yes. for a moment? Yeah. yeah. One of the tools is uh, a book called Read the Bible for Life. Mm-hmm. Holding a copy right now. Yeah. I love the subtitle, Your Guide to Understanding and Living God's Word. Yeah, that's right. Because um, the Bible is not just about information. It's about transformation. And it's about relationship. So, uh, so that book, what, what I did in that book... That book addresses the side where we're talking about how to read well. What I did is I went around and I interviewed friends of mine who are scholars or who are involved in ministry, who love the Bible, and I sat down with them and and talked to them about a specific slice of how to read the Bible. So, for instance, in the first four chapters, the first section, we talk about how to read the Bible in translation, talk about how to read the Bible in context. Um, those kinds of foundational issues. There's an Old Testament section where we talk about how to read the stories of the Old Testament, how to read the laws of the Old Testament, how to read the Psalms, how to read the Proverbs. Sounds so pretty, pretty basic, but you, you say we really need to start there. Oh, it's, it's basic, but interestingly, I've had pastors tell me nobody has ever walked through this stuff with huh. me like this. So I would go and sit down with someone like my friend David Howard, who's an expert on the Psalms, and say, David, talk to us about how we read the Psalms effectively. And um, I sat down with my friend Michael Card and talked about, okay, how do we read the Bible in times of sorrow and suffering? Because Michael has been interested in lament, mm-hmm. as you know. My wife and I did a chapter on how to read the Bible uh, with the family. So a lot of the chapters are done with my scholar colleagues in different areas where they are specialists on uh, Old Testament or New Testament. Craig Blomberg uh, did How to Read the Teaching of Jesus. Doug Moo did How to Read the Epistles. So these are top scholars who love the church and love Christ, but they spent their whole life studying these parts of Scripture. So the book is a narrative interview style book. It's like you're looking over my shoulder and hearing me talk, just like we're talking now, to these scholars, and they give basic, basic steps and principles on how to read these different parts of Scripture. At the end of every chapter, there are small group discussion questions. So uh, the Read the Bible for Life book, a person can buy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble or at a Christian bookstore and uh, pick that up and use it themselves or use it with a small group. There's a companion tool that is a video curriculum it's a nine-session video curriculum that takes the basic principles from Read the Bible for Life and puts it in a small group video format. It, it has me sitting and teaching a small group. The video rolls out to one of these interviews with a scholar or me in my backyard, in my garden, talking about the parable of the sower. <laughs> so there are practical illustrations there, but it's meant to be used as basic training in a church. And what a lot of churches are doing is they're using that for the whole church, say on Sunday nights for nine weeks, to train everybody in how to read the Scripture more effectively. So that is the video curriculum piece, okay? So those are those two tools that deal with how to read better. The other two tools are coming out this fall. One is a chronological Bible for a person to use day by day in reading through the Scripture in a year. That is HCSB translation, Holman Christian Standard Bible. The other tool can be used with any translation. It's called the Reader's Guide to the Bible. And that is a Bible reading plan... But every day, instead of just giving you the plan, every day what I do is I coach the person on how to read the portion for that day. Okay, all right. So there's a paragraph, and it will say, okay, today we're in Act 2, Scene 1 of the story of the Bible, and I'll kind of help the person be oriented to the story. And then I'll say, uh, as you're reading the story 
of the Exodus today. Remember, God's always the hero of the story. That's what we saw in Read the Bible for Life. So how is God the hero of the story today in this portion of Scripture? So the Chronological Bible and the Reader's Guide to the Bible focus on helping a church or an individual over a year's time to put those pieces together and see that grand narrative of Scripture and how it all fits together. You really are a teacher. Well, <laughs> that, that's what this is. This, yeah. you're, you're teaching God's people. Well, I, I hope so. Uh, I mean, my, my heart, my passion is to see people meet the living God and the Word of God. Yeah. I can't wait to get into this, uh, read the Bible for life. I, I hear such good things about it. What's the best thing that will happen when, when all is said and done and a person commits themselves to taking this yeah. on? You know, in, in some way, I think that we've bought into an idea that there are kind of the the cool uh, aspects of the Christian life, you know, worship and different things like that. And then we have the kind of checklist Christianity where we've got to do these, we've also yep. got to do these disciplines yep. I over did my here. my 20 minutes. Yeah, and, and I yeah. got to check it off, yeah. you know, and so uh, that kind of thing. And I, I think if I could see one thing happen with Read the Bible for Life, beyond churches actually establishing a pattern of helping their people learn how to read the Bible better and learn this grand narrative of Scripture, it it would be this, that we move beyond a checklist form of Christianity to meeting the living God in the pages of of the book. Uh, And you know, there are a lot of days that, that I go through the process of it's what I'm supposed to do at this particular time of the morning, but I think as you get deeper into the Word, you really do have a hunger, just like you have a hunger for breakfast, uh, just like if somebody cut off your air supply, you would, you would be hungry <laughs> to breathe. And I think as you meet the living God in the Word and you see your life changed by that experience, your mind transformed, you begin to hunger for it. And, and what I would long for is to see people changed relationally by reading the Word better. So they move from a place where when they read one of these weird Old Testament laws, uh, they're just simply puzzled and put off to a place where they say, isn't it awesome that God has been writing this beautiful story on the world, and it's still as relevant and practical today as it's ever been? This has to be why God gave us His Word and what He intends by giving us His Word. Absolutely. I mean, think, think about if we didn't have it. We take it for granted in our church, church culture in America. We take it for granted. I sure do. Think about what life would be like if we did not have the, the stability and the moorings of God revealing to us what he's up to in this world and a lot of what he expects of us. Uh, there are secret things. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to That's the Lord the our God. All verse. <laughs> so, so the Bible doesn't promise to answer all of our questions. It doesn't. But it answers the questions we need answered from God's perspective, and it has to be interpreted well. Uh, It's not easy, but it is certainly worth the commitment of life to immerse ourselves in the Word. What a great friend, Dr. George Guthrie. And if you'd like to learn more about the steps we talked about today to begin increasing your knowledge of God's Word, please visit firstpersoninterview.com. There are links there to Read the Bible for Life, a book and a website that can guide you in a fulfilling and rewarding journey of spending time in God's Word. Our website is there for you to go back and listen to today's interview or any previous guests we've had on this program. It's firstpersoninterview.com. You'll also find a calendar of upcoming guests at firstpersoninterview.com. 
Speaking of what's to come, our guest next week will be Michael Catt, who is senior pastor of Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia, and the executive producer of the new movie, Courageous. Now with my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.